sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, September 28th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends and doing what we can to hopefully make it a profitable investment day for you. We're going to try and put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kev, we are at the place where we have to deconstruct, debrief week three of the NFL season. A lot of stuff went down. We have a huge Monday night football game to discuss Oh, and by the way, we're at the Major League Baseball playoffs. We're at the NBA Finals, so no shortage of things to discuss. We always thought late September was going to be jam-packed, and here we are, Kevin. No, it's absolutely wild. I mean, it really is. The NBA Finals, the baseball players are set. Everyone's kind of rolling through those brackets. Oh, boy, there's an upset out there that I know everybody loves, and I saw Twitter buzz. I can't wait to go the other way. And, of course, (laughs) week three. The NFL, and oh, by the way, what's on tonight? The two best teams in football may be playing one another. It's, right. it's incredible. It really is. You know, Kev, we also may crown a Stanley Cup champion tonight oh, by as the way. well. Right. By the way, you know what I mean? But uh, we will continue to try to get it all in. And, Kev, where I want to start is with Sunday Night Football. Okay, because I think we had a game between two teams that many people believe will be playing in January. And the Green Bay Packers go into the Dome, beat the Saints 37-30. to Kev, the Packers are now 3-0. and and, and and here's the way I want to ask you about this, Kev. You know, last year the Packers went 13 and three, and people were still on some like, ah, eh, maybe it was a soft 13 and three. When we were doing our roster resets at one point, I remember you were like, yeah, they're going to win the division. And then you went game by game, and somehow they won like three or four less games for you, right? I want to ask in year two now, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur. Have they just figured something out? Is it more that they are now comfortable with each other? Because whatever they're doing play calling wise is certainly working, Kev. They put up 37 points. I think that's actually their low point total for the season. Hmm. Aaron Jones continues to be a stud. No Devontae Adams. It doesn't matter. Alan Lazard, here, take a 73-yarder. Here, take another big one, 146 and a touchdown. It seems like... You know, all you need is a Hall of Fame quarterback and a good scheme, and he's going to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, the Packers, I think, ended up like 11-5 and five in that roster reset. But I think right. at the time, I was like, oh, wow, that's more wins than I think maybe even I had anticipated. Now, here's the thing about have they figured it out. They were 13-3 and three last year. Oh, they just can't know what they're doing. They're now at four, 16-3 as a regular season head coach. Like, that's a real thing. Year one, went to the conference championship. I know mm-hmm. everybody was like, ah, 13 and 3, this team's garbage. Who's impressed by that? I mean, they, and they've seemingly actually got better where we all thought they got worse. Could you imagine how they actually had a decent draft? I look at this team right, right now, <laughs> and now, of course, you want to apply context to each and every one of those performances. Had I, before sure. the year started, told you that they were 3 0, no, you go, whoa, really? At Minnesota, at New Orleans? I think we now take a look at those games 
Vikings were 0-3. That team, we'll talk more about them, but defensively, it's an absolute dumpster mm-hmm. fire. They beat up on Matt Patricia. I mean, listen, if you're not, you know, other than Kyler Murray, not a hard thing to do. And this Saints team right now has a much different vibe. But the big thing for the Green Bay Packers is they right now look like the best offense in football, or at least right there. One of them, I mean, for sure, right? You just said it. 37, their low mark on the year. Yeah, absolutely. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including out west up there on the mightier 1090, you know, absolutely. They have to be considered one of the more dynamic offenses in football, right? And we've seen some of the other ones out there, whether it's Seattle or Dallas or the teams playing tonight that we will see as well. Let me ask you, though, about New Orleans. Do they still belong in that category? Now, now, here's the thing, Kev. Okay. You don't have Michael Thomas, who was, you know, the most productive wide receiver in all of football last year. I understand that. Um, Kev, for me, in critical situations, they got Taysom Hill playing quarterback, right? You're going to – and you dump it down to Alvin Kamara. Don't get me wrong. Kamara is a great back. He takes one to the house for like 60 yards or something, 13 catches. I hope you followed me with the uh, catch bonus on Kamara yesterday. But one of the points they made – Kev, on the telecast, is that Drew Brees' like average depth of target is literally the worst in the NFL. They're not going downfield. Back in the glory mm-hmm. days, they would have guys like Devery Henderson, even a Ted Ginn Jr. I don't see how they're stretching the field anymore. And over time, I kind of feel, Kev, it's just like Giannis. Over time, going to f- figure out how to defend them. Could the Saints, you know, could defenses just put everything in front of them and say, go ahead, Drew, try and dink and dunk us apart? Saints scored 30 points. I know. I, I mean, that's my thing, man. Like, I know. their defense looks garbage two weeks in a row now. Garbage. Last week, they got lit up by Derek Carr. And I was I was willing to say, listen, that's a bad spot for that team. There was a reason why the Saints are the Saints. And there was a lot of smart people thinking that, I don't know, I might just take four with the Vegas Raiders to open up that new building. Mm-hmm. But this was supposed to be the bounce back spot. And if I would have told you, Okay, the viewer at home, the better at home, that as you lay three points with the Saints, you're going to get 30 points from that team. You feel real good about your chances of covering that number. And instead, 37 points the other direction. That right now, Alvin Kamara, like I understand the depth of target, he's throwing the ball behind the yard at line of scrimmage. And Alvin Kamara's ripping off 50 yards a yak. No problem asked. So, yes, Drew Brees, you want him to be better. The defense right now is where the questions need to be asked. All right, fair enough. You mentioned Alan Kamara. He does go for a combined 197 scrimmage yards, gets into the end zone twice, albeit in a losing effort. The Saints, who many people believed could be a conference representative in the Super Bowl, now stand at 1-2. and two. We'll talk about more games that we saw last night, who's in good position, who got banged out when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the grid, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, as we look at some of these games in week three, another big one that was sort of the marquee in the afternoon window with the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. And I got to tell you something, Kev. 
we've been talking about Russell Wilson, right, and how he is kind of an MVP candidate. And, and, and honestly, I wonder what the movement is on damn Dak Prescott as well, because Dak is putting up 472 yards, three touchdowns. Dak is running the ball as well. Remember last week he ran for a few touchdowns. He has really started to, in my opinion, you know, carry this team offensively but the story in my opinion continues to be the seattle seahawks and russell wilson i've been asking you kev are they truly evolving to a more pass happy team russell wilson putting the ball up 40 times 315 yards and five touchdowns somehow he continues to be efficient like when he drops back i just don't expect any kind of negative outcome like ever I just need to know what happened this offseason that forced or, or had this team go, oh, you know what? We should just throw the ball a bunch. We've got Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. Ty-. Like, you watch this offense, and it, you're like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Like, they're loaded on that side of the football. Now, it's a little gimmicked up. One-yard line, they're still throwing the ball. Very much so right now. just feels like a situation when we're talking anytime touchdown scorers – Usually the you know you you want to bet on running backs because the, right. the ball's always on the one yard line. You just expect the thing to get handed off. Not the case with this team. Throwing the ball to Jacob Hollister, right? DK yeah. Metcalf is just apparently just a lock for a hundred yards in a score every week, and he doesn't. It doesn't even matter if he fumbles one out of the end zone. Other opportunities will come. Tyler Lockett with a monster week right now. I mean, Russ threw five touchdown passes and. You watched it, and you're like, yeah, it just feels normal right now. It, it, it does. And a part of it, though, is, is this team's approach still kind of on the goal line. Like, they're just putting the ball in his hands, and they're saying, you just take us there. You you just take us where we got to go. And clearly, paying off for that team. Yeah, absolutely. And you asked the question of, like, what happened in the offseason. I I fundamentally believe, Kev, that the answer is DK Metcalf, okay? Like, Tyler Lockett is a great receiver and has been for years, okay? I am not throwing shade at him, but he's not, Kev, your prototypical X, big-bodied, outside-the-numbers kind of wide receiver. That has now been added. Remember when we were talking about the Pats and, like, the other element of the offense that Cam Newton brings? I do truly believe, Kev, that DK Metcalf gives this team in the wide receiver composition a different element that opens it up for Russell Wilson. And don't forget, Kev. They still got Josh Gordon on the horizon also to potentially come in to this wide receiver room. One note we do have to talk about, especially when you consider um, if the Seahawks are run happy or pass happy, their starting running back, Chris Carson, left the game in the fourth quarter late in that game with what looked like a pretty bad knee injury, the way he was reacting to it. Kevin, sounds like there's news that he avoided catastrophe on the knee mm-hmm. injury. Yeah, it looks like it's just a sprain, so they're hoping that it wouldn't have him out uh, all that long. And, you know, that's there's a reason why they brought Carlos Hyde in, so I'm sure this yeah. is going to be a team that won't look to force his situation. Uh, Carson, though, banged up on, I believe, what was the Seahawks' final drive. Yeah. So, And he had an efficient game, but, you know, you're seeing the workload just not be where it usually is.
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep our eye on what happens there with Chris Carson. Carlos Hyde, as Kevin mentioned, would be the pivot. I think he will be on a lot of waiver wires this week. Travis Homer will probably be the kind of passing down back if Chris Carson were to miss some time. I want to get into another game. Listen, this was kind of the most exciting one, in my opinion, in the one o'clock games. And it's the Buffalo Bills, you know, getting out to a huge lead at home, allowing the Rams to come all the way back, and then at the very end, getting a touchdown to kind of win the game. It was after a pass interference on fourth down, Kev, that allowed that drive in the red zone to continue. And I got to tell you this. We talked, um, Kev, on Pro Football Today on Sunday morning. If you remember, uh, Jalen Ramsey came out a couple years ago in GQ and lambasted Josh Allen, literally no. calling him trash, saying that they can't wait to play him. Well, Josh Allen entered this game, the league's leading passer. He puts up another 311 yards, four touchdowns, runs for another one. Listen, where is Josh Allen right now in your pecking order of like young quarterbacks? Oh, boy. Uh, not as high as Bills fans would want him. But he's been real good. Okay. And I agreed with Jalen Ramsey when he said what he said. But he's like, yeah, listen, <laughs> I've seen new things. He's better than he was. That's the thing. Josh Allen's gotten better. I think we're also right. kind of seeing, hey, look, there's a ton of value in bringing in good players. Stefan Diggs certainly helping this football team. You know, the Bills, though, 28, this score was 28-3, right? Yeah. I mean, we were all, oh, this Bills team, they're the best team in the AFC. Josh Allen's going right. to win MVP. This defense can't be scored on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were telling me questionable penalty, possibly At the end, yeah. this. The narrative goes from Josh Allen, how, where does he rank on the young QB pecking order, to ah, can they actually win with Josh Allen? Because it just seems inevitable he's going to mess this thing up the way he did last year against the Texans in the playoffs. Yeah, and here's the other thing. And, and... <sighs> Kev, you know how with the Toronto Raptors, I was like, at some point they're going to need that dude Right. That guy to just be able to elevate or close or whatever the case may be. I'm all about the Bills. They got a good defense. They're three and oh, all that stuff. Right. Kev, at some point, I'm worried that Josh Allen will still make the big mistake Um, and that that is the part of his game that still needs refining okay he had the fumble on a crazy play like he's like faking laterals and stuff he still throws the interception and then kev i don't know if you saw the full final drive yeah there was that pass interference there was also kev there was a 15 yard unsportsmanlike penalty on josh allen in that in that drive also it was like an offensive face mask penalty on josh allen and maybe it's not gonna matter when you're beating the jets and the dolphins and stuff like that but i'm gonna say the same thing to you now Kev, at some point, I think that carelessness may come back to haunt Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Remember the playoff game last year? Josh Allen throwing the ball across his body 50 yards in overtime. Josh Allen trying to lateral. Now, he has the ability to extend plays, make great throws. You know what I mean? But he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But he has that mentality. And at some point, I still believe this is going to bite him in the hind parts, Kev. Yeah, I mean, listen, though, right now, he's doing a good job. And they're living with the results on what are some of the wilder plays. And at the end of the day, the expectation, though, for this team is their defense is supposed to get them to where they want to be. Somewhat comparable to the Saints. If this team puts up points in the manner that which they do right now, 
You'd expect this team to be maybe winning these games a little bit easier. Last week, Ryan Fitzpatrick made that game real tight, tighter than you would expect Right, the spot where Buffalo scored 31. So, again, this is a spot here where I know the conversation is Josh Allen. I want to see a little bit more of this Bills defense that week one we were all so impressed by, but they played the Jets. And just, you got to give the Rams credit. Look, there's no moral victories, especially when you're that close to actually getting a real victory. But I, all offseason, all offseason, ah, the Rams are not good. The Rams are going to be fourth in that division. That, to be, you know, they're tied for second slash fourth in the division. Right, right, right. The NFC West is outrageous. But this team looks as impressive as any. I mean, as you're pulling together tiers of teams in the NFC, if you want the Packers and the Seahawks on their own line, I think many people would be hard to argue with you. But the Rams have to be on that next line. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, to be quite honest, a number of teams that could fit there in that second tier, and those will continue to get fleshed out as we go across. we got more games to discuss. We'll have the news update. The next one up for us is Minnesota-Tennessee. We'll talk about it after the break. But, Kev, you know, going into this, we said, like, oh, Minnesota as an 0-2 team, could they still make the playoffs? Oh, Minnesota, you know, they were in a battle of 0-2, 0-1 teams last week. Kirk Cousins, this time at home, they also kind of in a back-and-forth game allowed Tennessee back into it. You know, those running backs did their thing in that game. Steven Gotzkowski, after missing a bunch of field goals in week one, certainly found the uh, center of the uprights a ton of times in week three. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts. Like, is this Minnesota Vikings team done at 0-3, or do they still have a chance? We will do that when we come back right here on the early line. But for now, let's get caught up on everything that happened, happened overnight with the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. We welcome back in our radio audience from around the country as well, the Mightier 1090. Big shout-out to them on the West Coast, waking up very early, sticking with Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, I'm asking about this Minnesota-Tennessee game, right, that happened. First of all, the running backs showed up. These are first-round fantasy picks. Derrick Henry gets into the end zone multiple times with 119 yards, not to be outdone. Dalvin Cook for 181. This is Bell cow territory kev both of these guys with at least 22 carries but still and you know they put up points here right 31 30 what's your biggest takeaway from this one because for me i still am trying to give the vikings excuses but i'm running out of them kev so we'll hit the viking side but i just got to say the tennessee titans very very quickly becoming my favorite team in the league they okay. are three and oh straight up they ain't ask me their ats record no, What's their ATS record? 0-3. It's 0-3. It's 0-3. They're the sweatiest team in the NFL. That they were Sweatiest team in the NFL. Laying under a field goal. Can't cover. Still winning games. This team is fantastic. Right. I absolutely adore this team. Because you and I were just going to keep doing this weird back and forth about stopping Henry, stopping Tanny. This isn't a game. Both go over. By the way, there's now two of the three where they both go over their yardage props. 
So they're starting to figure it out there. We actually had a Corey Davis prop, which did well for us. AJ, like at some point, AJ Brown gets back into the fold for this team. Like, you know, and yeah. that's one of the things I think, Dana, you know, we're going to kind of start trying to find our tiers in the AFC, right? Right. And tonight, you know, for a lot of people, that's the, yep. the tier one showcase. Yep. Titans better be in every tier two conversation, man. Every single one of them. Three and oh, you wish that they were blowing teams out more. Too bad. This team gets the job done. I like Mike Vrabel. I'm impressed by them. Vikings? Yeah, no, that team's in trouble. That team's in trouble. All right. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm trying to make excuses for them. I don't know if What I happened to their defense? Left. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, like Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I think like, they're younger. I think they're younger outside of some of these key names that we've been talking about. They definitely need to figure it out. I will say this. Two other players to watch from a fantasy angle. I've been saying the name of the Tennessee tight end's tight end, Jonu Smith, a lot as well. He has another serviceable outing for you if you need a tight end going five for 61. And then Justin Jefferson with a breakout from as a rookie wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. You talk about tears in the AFC, Kev, and I know you're on this Tennessee Titans team. The question for you is, are the Pittsburgh Steelers in that tier along with the 3-0 Buffalo Bills, along with the 3-0 Tennessee Titans? Because the Steelers are now 3-0 as well. It hasn't looked as pretty. You talk sure. about maybe playing down to the level of competition, but what you just said with the Titans, right? ATS, they don't happen, but they get it done. Can I say the same thing about Pittsburgh? Because it doesn't always look pretty, but they get it done, and they are now also 3-0 on the young season. Yeah, and it does feel like Big Ben starting to, you know, continually get into his groove. Uh, Eric Ebron gets into the end zone. Uh, James Conner, back-to-back 100-yard rushing performances after the week one letdown. I still have some questions about this defense being the best in football, um, just because it felt like Daniel Jones moved the ball on them. Jeff Driscoll hung around to the last. The Texans scored points quickly. Now, they got shut out in the second half. The Steelers, are they have to be on that Tier 2 line, but where they would actually fall on that, I think, differs amongst viewers. Because I, I, And I think there's people who want them on the Tier 1 line, and that I strongly, strongly disagree with. But tomorrow, Dane, we are likely to get the reposted make-the-playoff lines. Yeah. And this will be our time to take a look at the Houston Texans and what should be a monstrous number, okay? At Kansas City, home versus No, their schedule's been rough. At Pittsburgh. All right. Now it's not look great. It's not like that. There. It's not look great to where you know you should be saying, ah, oh, listen, but they. But their opponents are undefeated, Kev. Their opponents are undefeated. One hundred percent. Next week, this team has the chance to kind of get back into the rhythm. An undeniable must-win game for that football team. But I remember that this team a couple years back, maybe two, three seasons ago, had played a game against the New York Giants. Eli Manning, and they got beat by Eli. And then they ripped off like nine in a row. And when they got beat by Eli, everyone was like, this team's terrible. Get this team out of here. And then they like won the South. So the Texans, when they repost those lines, and we'll probably talk maybe about something like that tomorrow, kind of taking the temperature on these playoff bets. uh, I think that it's now or never for Watson and B.O.B. going into next week. I don't disagree with you. Um, their schedule has been crazy, right? They're the sacrificial lamb in Kansas City on the season opener. They get Baltimore in week two and now Pittsburgh here in week three. The teams they are facing are undefeated. That will likely change after tonight's result. 
And so I'm with you. It could open up. They could be uh, you could have some value on them moving forward, whether game by game or in a season long, because they could regress positively. I will say this, though, Kev, here's something that concerns me regardless. Um, a lot of times football is one in the trenches. And I think on both lines, the Texans are an issue. The Texans gave up five sacks yesterday to this Pittsburgh front. And I have for a while been worried about Deshaun Watson and the protection he gets a la Russell Wilson. And then on the other side, Kev, this Ravens defense has not stopped anybody on the run. Remember what Clyde Edwards Hilaire was able to do in week one against them via the run. Baltimore ran all over them in week one and then he, I mean week two, and then here in week three, you got James Conner going 18 for 109 and then Anthony McFarland even, the rookie out of Maryland getting some shine as a scat back for 42 yards on six carries. Houston's gonna have to clean up the trenches, Kev, for me, both stopping mm-hmm. the run on the defensive side and protecting their franchise now extended quarterback to Sean Watson, and I think that could be something that kneecaps them, even when they're not facing elite competition. Yeah, no, look, but the the MO for them is we won't be playing to, again, they might be the two best offenses in football that they've played week one and week two, respectively, and then a very, very tough team in in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, right? But I believe next week Mm -hmm. they play a team that we just talked about in the Minnesota Vikings. That's got to be a game where you put up 30-plus. That's got to be a game where you force. Last time Cousins played a road game, looked like this guy might get benched. That's a yeah. game that that team has to win with a little yeah. bit of conviction. Yeah, that is going to be interesting, right? You're going to have 0-3 Houston against 0-3 Minnesota. And both of those teams, I believe, was minus Eliminator money game. to get to the playoffs. What's that? Eliminator game. Yeah, Losers definitely, out. right? And both of those, I think, were minus money to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season, right? And they're 0-3 coming at it. If not, they were very, very close. Um, Kev, in week two, the Atlanta Falcons had a 98% win probability. Yeah. They lost the game. High. Very high. That is high. In week three, at one point, they had a 99% win probability. <laughs> They lost the game. I was saying on my like analysis Sunday morning, right? I was like, listen, I think Atlanta is going to score in the mid to high 20s. And I don't know if I trust Mitchell Trubisky to lead the Bears offense to hold up to their end of the bargain. And I was right, Kev. Mitchell Trubisky did not hold up to his end of the bargain and put up enough points for the Chicago Bears to keep up with the Atlanta Falcons. However... They just required they just required some big Nick energy. And that's what happened. Nick Foles comes in. Mitchell Trubisky gets benched. And Foles comes in, throws for 188 yards, three touchdowns, and more importantly, 20 points for the Bears in the fourth quarter as they come all the way back, giving their 1% win probability and beat the Atlanta Falcons 30 to 26. Kevin, the Bears are 3-0. We are hearing afterwards they have not formally decided who will start on their center for <laughs> them in week four. That's Are right. they kidding me? Are they? Let me tell you something, man. That team, Talk maybe to me. that's why That's why the look-ahead line is this team uh, catching three points in their own building against the Colts. They sent Mitch Trubisky back out there. Look, man, this is the thing. If, if we're going to just kind of talk about spots where we were right. During those roster resets, man, every time we saw Chicago, you had to give me a tough time. Oh, you love Nick Foles. Oh, you think this Bears team should be real good with Nick Foles? Evidently, bang on the banana. This team was down 16 points. And no problem. 
In comes big Nick Foles, getting the job done, doing what he does, stepping up and giving this team an opportunity. Allen Robinson probably could cry tears of joy to see Nick yeah. Foles step up into that game. Tariq Cohen, super unfortunate to see him go down it with is. the ACL injury. But boy, did he look like he had a spring in his step, getting the ball put in his hands by Nick Foles and no longer Mitch Trubisky. I mean, this team was 2-0. and Look, they were down, okay? And they just they go, this dude's terrible, man. What were we what were we thinking? And they just yanked him. Nobody, nobody would have like would have watched that game and they would have been saying, Oh, you gotta bench Mitch right now. Bears fans didn't see this coming, but that's what happens when you have a terrible quarter. The thing is, everything I said about Foles, correct. This team should have never started Mitch. And they're they should think they're lucky stars that they played Matt Patricia week one and the Awful, awful New York Giants in week number two. He was good enough to beat those teams, and now you've got a legit shot with Nick Foles. You're 3-0. and Great cushion. Just kind of got to play even now. Rest of the way, you got a good shot at being one of the seven. All right, we'll see. The schedule does get a little tougher for them in this next next stretch, but maybe that big Nick energy is what they need. You did, however, mention, Kev, and in this game there are two injuries I want to mention. One, obviously, on the Chicago side, Tariq Cohen. Uh, that is, you know, unfortunate. It does look like a knee injury. It does look like an ACL. We'll get the word on that. Also, on the Atlanta side, Russell Gage. Had been a revelation here in the passing attack, really kind of stepping up week by week by week. You know, Julio was not there. He had to go to the cold, dark, quiet room uh, with a concussion, Kev. So we will see what happens with him. But listen, it, I think it'll be Nick Foles on the center. The schedule does get tougher. We'll see if it looks like a different offense under Nick Foles. We got plenty more games Fire to discuss Dan as we Quinn. try Ooh, that could be something. I mean, Quinter Gaze, who goes first? We'll talk about Quinn. that all week long Gaze when we come week. back. We've got other games to discuss, including your team, who didn't win yesterday, but didn't lose either. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Looking back at the week three games, we got plenty to discuss. And, Kev, I want to take your thoughts here on the Philadelphia Eagles. Anybody who listens to this show knows that, unfortunately, our two teams, Kev, have combined after week three to win zero games so far. At least your guys got a tie. As I mean, I hear it's like kissing your sister, though. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals go to a 23-23 tie after they exhaust 10 minutes of overtime where, quite honestly, it didn't look like either team was being aggressive and trying to get the W. But I want to ask you this, Kev, because I know you're a Philly fan, and I think there's a couple of different ways to, um, you know, debrief the Eagles. Uh, one is that 
they're eviscerated by injury. Okay, Dallas Goddard, Dallas, uh, Deshaun Jackson get banged out. The skill position players look kind of like they did towards the end of last year and in the playoffs with Greg Ward being like a top target getter. That could be, you know, rationale A. Rationale B could be that Carson Wentz is, you know, just not elevating to the point that he has in the past. He turned the ball over another couple of times in a game that was a tie, so that turnover margin has something to do for it and but then i also want to ask you kev what would the crowd have been like if there were fans in the stands there when the philadelphia eagles in overtime you know were kind of looked like they were playing for hey maybe we'll have a field goal attempt here maybe we won't that's about it that's good for us the uh the eagles and the Bengals tie at 23 yeah i mean look they were going to kick a 58-yard field goal with a guy in Jake Elliott who had a walk-off 60-yard. And the penalty, career. yeah. False start. I mean, it's a joke. It's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's sloppiness at an unparalleled level. At the end of the day, you know what? They got a better record than the Minnesota Vikings. So playing for the tie <laughs> is gross, but it keeps a loss off the table. There's a lot of stuff that went wrong before that. The injuries for this team is laughable. And I know there's a lot of people out there and all oh, these excuses, these excuses. So, so, what, so, so do we not want to just deal with what the facts are? So that way you can get your rants off about how garbage Carson Wentz is. This team is missing four of its top five pass catchers in this game. Alshon, we just accept it now, right? We just accept it. Alshon, first round pick Jalen Rieger. And then Goddard leaves in the first drive, and Deshaun Jackson is on the sidelines before the first half is over. Oh, and by the way, Marquise Goodwin, too, who they made the move for. So that's five of their top six pass catchers. Throwing the ball to John Hightower, Deontay Burnett, Ricardo Rogers making an appearance. Oh, and now Greg Ward Jr. back to being the number one wide receiver. And here's the and they're missing. Again, their left guard now gets banged up, already missing two starting offensive linemen coming into the year. Lost their top two corners in this game. But, but again, it's, it's everyone, ah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Why not? Why not? You lose that many pieces, it puts you on then a level footing with a team like the Bengals that you're supposed to be beating. But now you don't have any of your pieces. And here's the deal with Carson Wentz. Last year, to close this season, was putting on an MVP type of performance. And that what was that's what this team needed in order to get into the playoffs, to right. still beat some bad teams and get a win over the Dallas Cowboys. He is playing nowhere near that level. And this is the results. Because he doesn't have the help around him. So right. this, the Jalen Hurts nonsense, get out of my face. This guy, I heard yesterday I was on, someone called him a bust. No, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. But you can fade this Eagles team right now. Because they're not going to be healthy, evidently. That's what it right. is. Injury regression is a lie. As far as I'm concerned. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because, you know, I started this by, you know, our two teams haven't won a game yet, right? And you're talking oh. about all of the weapons that are out. Yeah. Um, I can say similar things for the Jets, right? Their top three wide yeah. receivers are out in Crowder, yeah. Mims, and Perryman. Le'Veon Bell is obviously another one, right? And I can say that Sam Darnold was playing well in the second half of last season when he came back after the mono as well. Talk to me. Sure. I'm not trying to compare necessarily, but when you say that some people are calling Carson Wentz a bust, I don't do that, right? And so talk to me about the trajectories and the perceptions of, say, Darnold vis-a-vis. -vis Wentz 
And both of them, because both of them don't have playmakers, right? Have yeah. stretches of playing well. We're, we're talking about O lines as well getting banged up, you know. So, am I crazy to draw a comparison? I mean, look, I think, and I think ultimately the conversations come from expectations. The Eagles tied with the Bengals. They're favored. This team should have been competitive. The Jets yesterday get ran out of the building. They're 11 and a half point dogs. They were supposed to get ran out of the building. Right. So in a way, like Darnold isn't even getting scrutinized anymore. People just kind of move past the conversation. They're like, that team mm. is terrible. And we'll, when that team has the first pick, like they're probably just going to have to take Trevor Lawrence. Like, so that's the, that, and that's why they, they ultimately are a bit different. And the Jets were supposed to be bad kind of coming into the season anyway, gotcha. right? So th- I think that's why the conversations seem to flow uh, a bit differently. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Lev Bell was, like, the only Pro Bowl caliber skill player they had. Like, Jameson Crowder was a wide receiver one, and that's laughable in its own right. Right. You know, Denzel second-round pick. Prashad yeah. Perriman had a good couple of weeks with Jameis Winston doing the good old yeah. Evo. So, yeah. I mean, that, that team was sending out garbage weapons for even if they were healthy. It doesn't mean it was going to be easier on Sam Darnold. You know, and I, the thing about Sam Darnold, he certainly has got better play in him. Carson, this is the thing about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had an MVP season. That's a real thing that really happened. And without that MVP season, the Eagles are not the one seed. And without the one seed, they don't win the Super Bowl. And non-Eagles fans will always, always ignore that. And that's fine. But Eagles fans know how important that was. And that's why Carson Wentz is a part of that Super Bowl win. And that's why I've never wanted Carson Wentz to get ran out of town. No, so that's of where him and Darnold ultimately, like there's just certain levels that Wentz has been okay. able to hit that Darnold hasn't. But it's more than no, fair, fair to say that Darnold had been nowhere near in a spot to actually get to that point even. Because Gase is no, the most fair. embarrassing head coach in football. Most embarrassing hey, head coach fair. in football. It's just that I heard you talk about all these weapons that he lacked, you know, and I just know yeah. that I, I felt like I could pick up a lot of that if I wanted to uh, sure. kind of try to excuse for Sam Donald. One note on the Cincinnati side, Kev, you know, Tyler Boyd is their new number one receiver, Kev. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Tyler Boyd, 10 for 125. A.J. Green, sure, he's a piece of the offense still, right? He gets 5 for 36. T. Higgins gets two touchdowns. But listen, Joe Burrow is going to continue to sling it. I am going to be on Joe Burrow like over attempts until further notice. And it looks like Tyler Boyd is the apple of his eye, right, Kev? The thing, though, is last week, A.J. Green had 13 targets. In that yeah. game against the Browns. And Boyd only had eight. Now, Boyd was a lot more efficient in his work. So, and look, the Philly situation, it could have just been a matter of kind of the, you know, who was open. Tyler Boyd, obviously, number one in production. And I was contemplating going back to A.J. Green, actually, uh, this week in, a, in some of the props hmm. market. You know, because we've talked about that, right? When the targets don't meet the production, it's usually good to go back to those kind of players. And... Right. A.J. Green wasn't able to kind of have that volume. Philly's actually been decent against some wide receivers during the season, uh, at least going into this football game, two-game sample size. But I, And I think you're, you're going to want to jump on Tyler Boyd. But from a value perspective, next week when they play the Jaguars, A.J. Green might be the value in the props market. That's fair, uh, the value. Uh, I'm just thinking about what could be an evolution of the Bengals' offense along with the rookie Joe Burrow. Let's talk about another game here. The Detroit Lions go into Arizona and get the job done 26-23. I know how much you love Matt Patricia, uh, Kev, (laughs) but... 
Think about it. Matt Patricia figured something out because Kyler Murray threw not one, not two, but three interceptions. And I think that's yeah. a little bit of cold water on all the offensive player of the year talk for Kyler Murray. He is human. And after three interceptions, the Cardinals suffer their first defeat of the season. Yeah, look, but it was a spot, Dane, that, uh, you know, I spoke about on the, you know, the early line on Friday uh, about how yep. there was a reasons to be cautious with these Arizona teasers and money line parlays. The Lions had two double-digit leads in both of their first two games, and they came out in this game, and they took a lead early. And Matt Stafford is still a good quarterback, and at times, if the Patricia defense gets rolling and they clearly made things difficult on Kyler Murray, they have the ability to go out there and make some plays. I mean, that's a team that has to be sat there thinking to themselves, we should be at least 2-1, and one, and who knows, maybe we could have you know, hung around a little bit more in a game where we had a double-digit lead against Green Bay. Yeah, The Lions next week play the New Orleans Saints. It's already a game I don't know what to do with. The Cardinals side of this coin, this is a 2-1 and one that will hurt. 3-0 and is tough, man. 3-0 and is tough. But now the Niners have taken care of business, okay? The Rams, they lose that game to the Bills. Seattle keeps rolling. You had a chance to stay right there on pace. Again, you take the scope right now, the NFC. You don't buy the Bears, so the North would be a one to, uh Playoff team division, NFC East, right you're lucky to get one team in with the way that they're playing. But you still want to keep pace. And yeah. this is a loss that very well could come back to haunt this team. Because even though they played, they played poorly, they had the lead late in this football game. And they weren't able to close the door. Yeah, the Detroit Lions win their first game in 11 tries, breaking the longest losing streak in the NFL. Hey, uh, Kev, next game I want to talk to you about is Pat's Raiders, and I've got one question for you. Sure. How do you feel about the season-long Cam Newton passing yards prop now? Great. Because you do? All right. He goes out there, throws for 162 yards in a Patriots win. And we talk about the elements of the offense, the elements of the team, right? And identity. And Kev, this is going to be a running team. You know, they run for 250 yards total on the ground. My guy, the stereotype, not Panasonic, not Mitsubishi, but Sony Michelle goes for 117 yards. Rex Burkhead out of nowhere. But for me, Kev, it seems like this is the way they want to try to win, not having the ball on Cam Newton's arm, but, you know, bludgering people into submission. Yeah. Now, do you know how many, currently at Cam Newton's current pace, right? Yeah. Do you know how many games we need him to play to get over our number? Uh, 12. 11. Okay. So that's why, at the end of the day, Dane, that's why we, that's why we took the number. Didn't need a lot. Didn't need a lot. Didn't need a lot. lot. Right? I mean, 1,600 yards a game, like you can multiply that by 16. I can't do it off the top of my head, but we're probably going to sure, still sure, get sure. pretty close. Last week, he threw 400 yards. It was basically a cheat code. It basically made up for any bad game that he might have. But, yes, this is what this team wants to be. It really is. I, I mean, and they have the ability to do that. So Michelle had nine carries for 117 yards. Yeah. Like, what? Like, excuse yep. me? It's outrageous. Red Burkhead Red's out Burkhead of nowhere. Yeah. Looks real good. And James White, who a lot of people believe can be this team's best back, not even available for them right. in the last two weeks. This is a team, and you know we talked about it a lot, Dane. Listen, not every week it's going to work out this way, but there were two spots that I spoke about consistently all week long here on the show. 
It was this spot, and then Brady, and we'll talk about that game as well, mm -hmm. where I just thought that those teams had the chance to absolutely roll. And the Patriots did just that. I mean, they scored 36 points here. And when you look at the, the box score, any of it feel unsustainable? I mean, the Michelle yards per carry is outrageous. But you know what I kind of mean? Like, them just running the ball at will on this football yes. team? Like this, these aren't. This doesn't feel like some outlier type of game. This is who this team wants to be. They're a different version of what the Ravens are. They're they, it's it's a little bit of a different skew to it, but that's what we're seeing from this Pats team. Said mm -hmm. it last week off a loss. As impressed as I've been on a team that lost a game in a while, and you know now that that's in the locker if necessary. But this is still the goal. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's what we've been talking about, right? This is how they want to win. They do this and look good, you know, with Julian Edelman catching two balls, James White not being there at all. And then, listen, they take away what you want to do on the other side, right? We talked about the great tight end, Waller. He only gets two for nine. It was Hunter Renfro leading this team in receptions, and they kind of bottled up Josh Jacobs as well. We've got more games to discuss on a Monday after week three right here on the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We've got plenty of Week 3 to discuss. we got NBA Finals. we got Major League Baseball. But if you remember, here on the early line, we also talk about the action in the octagon. We gave you some leans and some ideas. And listen, Israel Adesanya looking like a boss with a second-round TKO. And then also, we told you, if the value got a little bit, that Blahovich could have been at play, and he looked good winning the vacant strap as well on Sunday on Saturday night over there in Fight Island, huh, Kev? Yeah, two fun fights, neither one getting out of the second round. The interesting thing with the Blahovich-Reyes uh, fight was it went the other direction. We had asked Jay about when we get closer to actual fight time, might this number get start to be bet right. up on Reyes? And it went the other way. People started to bet the dog as we got closer to that cage closing, rightfully so. Blahovich just looked like the better fighter, and he then goes right away to call out John Jones. And that, by the way, result might get John Jones back in the division. The way really? he is with his career, he's mentioned he just doesn't want to do kind of rematches right now. He's got his horizon set on bigger things, whether it be Adesanya, whether, whether that be Miocic, whether that be Nganu. Blahovich is one of the guys he had not fought. And that was kind of the situation going into this fight there where everyone was like, Dom beat John. We don't know what Blahovich would have done. So those are kind of the situations that applied uh, and gave you the value on Blahovich. In the main event, my goodness. Jay said something that stuck with me for until the fight ended and even past the fight. He goes, this might be the lowest number you get for the rest Adesanya. of Israel Adesanya's career. Career. And honestly, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, Paulo Costa was unbeaten and didn't look like he belonged. Didn't look like he belonged in that cage. First round, some people thought maybe he was trying to get a feel-out process. And Izzy's like, sure, feel it out. I'm going to make you feel like your leg doesn't exist. Kick, <laughs> kick, 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 kick. And then he was winning every exchange on the hands. 
and ultimately clipped him with a head kick. And the next thing you know, it was curtains. And Israel Adesanya, man, an absolute claim for best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Looked sensational. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kev. I remember Jay saying that, like, hey, if you can get him at, like, the minus 180, I believe it was, yep. uh, like, you're not going to get it anymore. I did it. I know a lot of people who did it. We'll check and see what's on the horizon for Israel Adesanya. What's on the horizon for the early line is more takeaways from week three of the NFL season. We got Monday Night Football, baseball playoffs. Stick with us. Hour two is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.